1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, this is located on page 1076. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. We're thankful that you're here. We had a wonderful uh, time of worship last Sunday evening with Nick Fowler reporting to us the good work that was taking place there. And uh, we're thankful to say and to let you know that they're back in Brazil. Nick and Amy and Jonah are safely there. And uh, we're thankful for the great work that they are doing. We're also looking forward uh, to next Sunday. We'll place an emphasis on involvement. And you'll be told all about opportunities that you can be involved in. Uh, through a ministry fair. There will be tables in the foyer. If you want to come as early as 7.30 next Sunday morning, you can drop by and visit with uh, deacons and those that help in various areas and learn more about ministries. And then throughout the day, you'll be given a form and encouraged to uh, consider and let it be known where you want to work. You know that there are a lot of good works that take place in this congregation, and it's because everybody does their share. And uh, with a congregation this size, it takes a lot of organization. And so this is one way that we really need your involvement so we can know who we can lean on and know who we can call uh, whenever those needs are there. And uh, we're thankful for our deacons and the great work that they do in leading these ministries. And so uh, Sunday uh, will be such an important day in the life of our church. Uh, really for the next couple of years because it'll be a way for us to know uh, who wants to work where and uh, we'll give God all the glory for the good uh, that we do. 2011, the U.S. Postal Service decided to do, uh, uh, to create a a postal stamp that would honor uh, Lady Liberty and so they created this stamp. That's a nice picture of Lady Liberty, isn't it? No, it isn't. They were very embarrassed whenever they found out after this had already been created and sold that actually they had copied a photograph that was a picture of the imitation of the Statue of Liberty that was in Las Vegas. Quite embarrassing for them, but yet so easy to do when you copy copies. Like when you think about, do you want to be a part of the Lord's church? Surely everyone would say, yes, I I want to be a part of the Lord's church. But how do you know whether or not you're a part of the Lord's church or you're just copying a copy of the Lord's church? There are so many religions and so many denominations. What is the Lord's and what is man's? What is the difference? A lot of them look a whole lot alike, but just as this picture looks a whole lot like the Statue of Liberty, it's not. Now let that sink in. It's not. It looks like it. And you can say, well, it sure fooled me, and it sure fooled a lot of people in charge. But the bottom line, it's not. Listen, this morning, I beg you, if you've never considered how important it is to make sure that you're a part of the Lord's church and not just a copy of the Lord's church, and before you jump on a bandwagon and say, it really doesn't make that big a difference because it sure looks like it and it it sure feels like it. If it's not the Lord's church, it's not. 
And someone says, oh, so it's just a matter of fact. It either is or it isn't. And Well, it is a matter of fact. But what I want you to see this morning, we're going to begin at the beginning of the Bible. And we're going to pull a thread all the way through that God pulls all the way through the scriptures. All God wants out of us this morning is he wants us to be his people. When we talk about the church, that's literally what the church is. The church is God's people. And so if I'm a member of a copy of his church, now I've missed being his people. And think how, how the, the desperate loss that is when I lose the opportunity of being God's people, even though, in other words, I might have otherwise thought that I was. What would this look like? Let's go all the way back to Genesis. When we go to Genesis, the 12th chapter, and if you have your Bibles, like I say, we're going we're gonna to flip through several of these this morning, and you're going to see them, and, and some of them, uh, there is so much more in all of these that we're going to read that could and maybe even should be said, but to be able to bring this thought into one sermon, this complete thought, uh, we're just going to have to pull various things out of various passages. But notice, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them as His children. And notice, they had to decide whether or not they were going to remain his children or go their own way. And we see that they had some struggles with that. Then God chose Abraham to be the father of a lineage of people that would be his, that through that lineage, Jesus Christ would be born. And so he made a covenant with Abraham's people. And notice in the 12th chapter and verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. And here's the first part of the covenant, to a land. He's going to give him a land that I'll show you. Number two, I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Notice that last line there. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the part, third part, the third major part of the covenant that God gave to Abraham. And that is prophecy that Jesus Christ was going to be born. And Jesus Christ was not going to be a gift just to the Hebrew nation. He was going to be a gift to all people, to everyone that would want to come and be what? God's special people. To the ones that wanted to belong to God, God was going to make a way through Jesus Christ. Now, this covenant was given as a reminder. In other words, a second time. Look at the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, now the children of Israel have wandered in the wilderness, at least their family has, for 40 years. And now they're standing over the side. They're ready to go into conquest. And Moses is reminding them of who they are and what they need to be, which knows those two always go together. If we remember who we are, we know what we ought to be. If we forget who we are, we forget what we ought to be. And so in the 28th chapter, he's reminding them of promises that God has made that if you obey, he will bless you in all these ways. And then he reminds them of curses that God gave. If you disobey, you will be cursed in all of these ways. And then we come to the 29th chapter and this covenant is renewed. Uh, at Moab here uh, with these very same, this same nation of people. And we'll pick up in verse 12 of the 29th chapter. That you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today. That he may do what? Establish you today as a people for himself. What has God always wanted out of us? He has always wanted a people. Today, he gives you and I a choice. Do you want to belong to him? Okay, a people for himself, and that he may be God to you. 
Just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers and to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, what do you want? He says, I want you to be my people. In other words, I want to be your God. You would be my people. I would be your God. You would obey my ways and I could just send blessings upon blessings upon you. That is the plea of this second reminder, if you will, of the covenant. Now, this covenant runs throughout the old covenant. Now, obviously, when you hold your Bible in your hand, you know just by the layout of the Bible that there are two covenants. There's an old covenant and a new covenant. This new covenant was prophesied in the old covenant. Let's turn to Jeremiah, the 31st chapter. In Jeremiah, the 31st chapter, we see Jeremiah prophesying, foretelling, foretelling that there is going to be another covenant. And this new covenant is not going to be just with the Hebrews, just with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob's descendants. And, and notice how this covenant is spoken of. Let's begin reading at 31. Uh, 31st chapter, verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will, it's in the future tense here, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is a new covenant, or this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts. See, this sounds like 1 Corinthians here. I will be their God and what? They shall be my people. That's what God has always wanted is for us to be his people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. How can he say that everyone's going to know him? Do you realize that today, everyone that is God's people. Now I want you to think right here on the stage, I'm going to use just an illustration of movement here. Everyone that is here is walking with God. They are God's people. Over here is the world. God is calling the world to become his people. But he has always left it up to man. <clears throat> are you going to decide if you are going to remain in the world or you decide if you want to walk with God and be his people? Under the new covenant, there's going to be something different. Under the old covenant, there was a sense that people were covenant people just by their physical lineage. Okay, so you were born of the blood of Abraham. So in that sense, you are God's covenant people. He's saying under this new covenant, it's not going to be about a blood. Everybody that's a part of this new covenant, they're going to know God. Under the old covenant, you could be born into that covenant. And as a child, you would have to be taught who God was. And as a child, you would have to be taught, oh, you're a part of the covenant relationship with God. You're, you're a descendant of Abraham. Under the new covenant, you're not going to be a part of that covenant. Unless you have already decided, I know who Jesus is. I'm leaving the world and I'm going to become a part of his people. I'm going to become a part of his church. Now let's go ahead and start sowing this seed in this lesson. You see, we make a horrible mistake when we think church is the same thing as the assembly on Sunday. 
It's wonderful that the church assembles because it is commanded in Hebrews 10. But the church is not simply an assembly. We have to make up our mind once we recognize that we are walking away from God and that God offers us something so much better. We have to make up our mind. Do we want to become a part of the church? Do we want to become a part of the kingdom? Notice this. Do we want to be baptized into Christ and His people? You see, even the the teaching of, of baptism... Do you realize that if you pull baptism out of the, the scriptures and, and you, you use it like it's an object? Oh, I tell you what you need. You need to be baptized. Listen, somebody that doesn't understand what it is to be in the world and what it is to be in Christ, and they don't have any understanding like that. You know what? They don't need to be baptized. Why is it that we talk about baptism as if it's this little object that you give it to somebody and boom, something magic happens. Now they're saved. Listen, if somebody hasn't left the world and been baptized into Christ, all they did was get wet. This baptism is to place individuals into a family. Hence the theme for this year, God's family. God's family. There's something different about God's family and everybody else. There's something different about God's people that are God's family. There's something different about God's church and every other church. This covenant was given. And he says, when this new covenant comes, everybody that is a part of it, they're going to know God. They're not going to have to be taught about God because if they become a part of it, They've made that decision. And notice he says, I will forgive them of their sins. Under the old covenant, there was no forgiveness of sin. Remember Hebrews 10, under the the blood of bulls and goats, you cannot have the forgiveness of sins. And so the idea that Jesus Christ would come from the lineage of Abraham and that he would bring forgiveness of sins to mankind was a beautiful, magnificent thought. But it's offered to whom? To the people that are his people. With this in mind, I'd like for you to turn over with me to the book of Matthew. I'd like for you to see what Jesus says about his people. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, Jesus is going to, again, prophesy about his people. Because remember, the church was not going to be established into Acts, the second chapter. And so just a few years before this, notice what he says in Matthew, the 16th chapter. They came and they, they were asking Jesus was asking who people were saying that I am, and they give an answer of of who people were saying I am. But Peter says, uh, he declares that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now look at, at verse 18. And I will say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, that's that confession that he gave, that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so what is the church here? The church is the place, it is the people that he is going to create through the fact that he is upon this earth as the son of God. Now in the very next verse, he refers to the church, to the people. And notice how it is referred to in verse 19. 
And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in on heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be uh, loosed in heaven. And so now instead of talking about the church, even though he is still talking about the church, this time he uses the word kingdom. Now, it's obvious what the root is of kingdom. The root is king. So the emphasis is God's people are going to be under the reign or the rule of the king who is Christ who began his church. But now notice, you would not have Christ and his reign and be a part of his church unless he was our savior. In other words, we can't be called into Christ if we're living in the world guilty of sins and we can't be transformed into this new creation, which is the forgiveness of sins to to live a life just as if I never sinned, taking on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We can't do that unless Christ died for us. And and so notice as, as we read here in 21, drop down to verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised on the third day. Now pause there for just a moment. What's he describing here? With that kind of language, we know, if we know the scriptures very well at all, we know that what he's describing here is how he was becoming our savior. The death, the burial, and the resurrection has become our savior. Okay, so let's put this in order. The verses we've just read. The verses we've just read. He is going to establish a church. The church is going to be a group of people that belong to him. I will build my church, the people that belong to him, under the rule of the king. He is the king over his people. The way they became his people is because he came to this earth and he lived and he died and he was resurrected. So he conquered sin, offering the forgiveness for mankind. And so now mankind gets to decide, do I want to walk with the world under the rule of Satan without a savior or do I want to walk in the church? See, we're not talking about a Sunday morning assembly. We're talking about a people. Do you want to walk as the church that's under the reign of the king that has saved us from our sins? You see, with that in mind, there were some prerequisites that had to take place before the church could ever begin. When we read down in 22 and 23, we see when Peter heard this foretelling back in 21 of Jesus Christ's crucifixion, you remember this just kind of got all over Peter and he was bound and determined that his best friend, Jesus Christ, wasn't going to die like that. And so in 22, he, he took him aside and he, Peter began to rebuke Jesus saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You see, Jesus was making it real clear, I have to do this. Peter, you're thinking like a man right now. You're thinking in human perspectives. Let me think in the perspective of a Savior. I must be crucified. Before the church could ever begin, there had to be a crucifixion. Now pause here for just a moment and let's go back to that Statue of Liberty again. What's the difference in the Statue of Liberty, Lady Liberty there in New York? What's the difference in her and all these replicas that are around? What's the difference in the Lord's church 
and somebody else that says, I'm going to go out and start a church over here. The difference is the Lord's church has a Savior. The Lord's church has one who was crucified, who was resurrected, and who can offer the forgiveness of sins and is the the groom that has gone to prepare a place and is going to come back and receive his people, his bride, with him. And so somebody else says, well, I go to this church on Sunday and it sure, it it looks religious and, and we study about God and we... Friends, there's such a huge difference in following a replica and saying, you know what? I don't ever want to be a part of a church that man started. All I want to be a part of is the Lord's church that he came to this earth to live and to die to be, for it to be established. I want to be a part of the Lord's church. Before Christ could start his church, he had to die. And when we go over to Ephesians, the first chapter, and I'm kind of running out of time, so I want to mention two more things quickly. And and you're probably going to know these well, so let me mention these quickly so we can sum up. In Ephesians 1 and 20 and 21 and 22, he is teaching the fact that before Christ could establish a church, he had to be resurrected. There was going to be no hope for God's people to have eternal life unless Jesus Christ could be resurrected from the grave. And so Jesus died to become the church's sacrifice for sin. He was raised from the dead to become the hope for eternal life of the church. And then we looked at before he ascended into heaven in Matthew the 22nd chapter, and I'm sorry, Matthew the 28th chapter, and before the church was ever established, it wasn't only Christ's crucifixion and Christ's resurrection, but it was Christ's commission that this gospel, I want it to be taken to where? Every nation. Under the old covenant, God's chosen people under the old covenant were descendants only of Abraham. Jesus Christ came and he opened up his covenant to say, my chosen people are going to be from every nation and it's going to be people that choose me. That's who God's chosen are. People that choose him. And so now, we're back to where we started. A few minutes ago, we had capably read for us 1 Peter. I'd like for you to look at 1 Peter, the second chapter. If we had time to study this whole chapter, you'd see that all the way back up into verse 4, the topic is about Christ and his people. Now, let's place an emphasis on that again. Who? Christ and his people. And so now we're going to pick up in verse 9 and 10, and, and in the middle of this teaching about Christ and his people, and just listen to this description. And as you hear this, I want you to think in, in like a timeline here. Think all the way back to Adam and Eve. God just wanted to be his people. Think about Abraham. He just wanted them to be his people. And he's going to bring about Jesus Christ because he wanted to redeem and to save and to have his people not only on this earth for eternity. God has always wanted his people. And so here before the Bible closes, he gives a description of his people. And it sounds like this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. There's a time in our life we weren't God's people. And we learned about God. And we learned about all that He has to offer that's so much more important than me individually. You see, salvation isn't broad and customized to you as an individual. It's about whether or not you want to be saved to be a part of a people that's more important than you individually? Do you want to be a part of a holy nation? Do you want to be a part of a people that you no longer have your name, you bear His name, and you no longer rule your own life? He's king of your life. And yes, it's wonderful that His people assemble and His people worship and His people have fellowship with one another. But the reality is, we're church. Monday at school and at work. We're supposed to be God's holy people when we go home and live in our houses this afternoon and tonight. We are to be His people the way we interact with friends. What have I learned today? I've learned that every picture that looks like the Statue of Liberty is not the picture of the Statue of Liberty. And I probably need to take that principle and apply it to a lot of things in my life that's a lot more important than that. I've learned, number two, that if I confuse church with the assembly, I'm probably proven that I've forgotten who I am. You know, when people talk about, you know, what goes on up there at church. Can you imagine somebody talking about their family like that? Can you imagine me talking about, yeah, you know, the the Shannon family up there. I don't know why they, they do what they do. Do what? I thought you were. No, no, that's just where I attend. If that's your mindset, I beg you today for your soul's sake. There's no way you can be saved if that's your mindset. I beg you to look deeply into the fact. If that's your mindset, what you have bought is you've bought the bill that says baptism is just an object and it's a salvation object. And if, it, if you'll just be baptized, you'll be saved. And you don't have... No. No. You cannot separate baptism out of the gospel story that God has a people. Baptism is what individuals do to become a part of God's people. Baptism is an entranceway in to say, Lord, it's no longer about me. I'm all about you. I'm all about your people. Number three, I've learned that you could just as easily start a new Christ as you could start a new church. Can you imagine somebody saying that? Oh, we're going to start a new Christ. We're going to take this man and we're going to dress him up and we're going to convince people that he's Jesus Christ. And I say, you'll never pull that off. You could just as easily, if you're going to really do something, I'm not saying fool people, if you're going to really do it, you could just as easily start a new Jesus Christ as you could start a new church that belongs to Jesus. There's no such thing as a second church that belongs to Jesus. We can go out and start congregations of the Lord's church. But the Lord has one people that belongs to Him. And that's why it's so important for us to go back to Him in everything. That's all we want to be. is God's people.
for an eternity. And this morning, if there's anything that we can do to help you, come as we stand, as we sing.